Thanks for downloading UW Alumni Voices. Get your CV and yourself to the top of the heap. A great CV tells a story about who you are, it works on your behalf to capture interest and shout potential, with a little something extra to make you more than just a name on a page. In this discussion, you will hear how to get your CV noticed, how to use it to paint a picture that piques curiosity and gets you in the door. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for attending the stream, moving in, get your CV and yourself on top of the heap session. The aim of the session is to provide tips, ideas and insights on how to have your CV noticed, to paint a picture that sparks curiosity and most importantly, a foot in the door for an interview. Our speakers this afternoon, who I will introduce to you shortly, will be asked a number of questions which will run for about 30 minutes. Questions and answers will follow as an opportunity for you to ask questions to a specific individual or to all panel members. Roving microphones will be available to assist with raising questions during this time. Before passing over to our speakers, I would like to introduce myself. My name is Claire Almaday and I'll be facilitating this session. I'm an Operation Readiness Specialist with Rio Tinto, working within the automation and haulage team. My career spans over 13 years consulting to clients throughout Australia and the Asia-Pacific region across sectors such as education, mining, finance, agriculture and government, focusing on business process improvement, change management, strategy and organisation development. Prior to my role, I have completed a Bachelor of Business with majors in Marketing and Tourism from the University, sorry, from ECU. Prior to my role, sorry, in 2015, I completed my MBA at UWA and I'm now the president of the GMA Association, which is our postgraduate alumni association for UWA. One of my passions is to support, develop and mentor individuals, which is why I'm here today. I would now like to hand you over to our panel members to introduce them individually and to go over to their career to date and to just give a little bit of an insight into who they are. Will, would you like to kick us off? Sure, good afternoon everyone. Um, so my name is Will Schofield. Uh, I'm currently an HR advisor working for a mining company called City Pacific Mining based uh, about an hour's drive from Karatha. I've been working in HR probably about six years now, so in my career it spans across engineering, mining, consulting, uh, manufacturing, so it's, it's, it's been pretty broad, far-reaching. I've, I've you know, done everything from graduate programs, uh, gender, diversification, that kind of stuff, so it's, um, it's been pretty exciting. Hi everyone, I'm Rhiannon Compton. I graduated from my master's degree in commerce here in 2016. I also did a um, bachelor's degree in science and psychology. Since leaving uni, I, um, I guess, went into HR. I'm now working as a people and performance advisor for a mining consulting firm. I work with companies to automate um, and integrate their processes, so everything from process improvement, process management, system selection and implementation. So looking at the costs associated with your current processes and trying to increase and optimise the efficiency of businesses. Uh, I'm Hamish Coffey. I am the HR business partner at Beaver Group of Companies. So I'm the sole HR resource there. We've got about 65 employees, so not too big. There I work 
across a fairly broad scope of, of things, being the um, only guy in the department there. Uh, so I do have a relatively broad role, but a lot of that is uh, inclusive of the recruitment as well. So I uh, see plenty of resumes come across my desk. I, uh, same as Rhiannon, did a Master of Commerce specialising in Human Resources and Employment Relations here at UWA uh, and graduated in 2016 or 17. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you. So Seem Hamish seems like the CV uh, contender out of all of us. What is, a really what is really important in a CV? And do you have any pointers on length, simplicity, information to include in your CV? Yeah, sure. So look, I think it really depends on the role that you're going for. You, you need to make sure that when you're writing a CV, it's tailored for a particular role, right? The whole idea is to show uh, how you're going to add value to that company within that role. So it, when you go uh, with a really broad CV, it's not indicating to the employer how you're actually going to add value to them. So just really think about what they're looking for in a company. Have a look at uh, what's in their job ad. So specifically, what are they asking for, for from that role? What do they expect that role to achieve? And in terms of simplicity, like you don't need war and peace with, uh, with all of your experience. Like, I don't want to sit there and read 10 pages of you know, information that's irrelevant to the, to the role. I just want to be able to look at it really quickly and get an indication as to whether or not you're going, whether or not you've got the capacity to do this role and you've got the experience to sort of back that up. Will, Rhiannon, would you like to add anything to that? Um, I guess as well, at this point in your careers, a lot of you are lacking maybe in a lot of job experience. And so you sit there thinking, oh, what, what am I going to put in here? You know, I've worked in retail for, for the last two years and I've got a degree and I want to be an engineer now. So how am I going to bring those skills across? A lot of that stuff is transferable. So when you're looking at a job, um, a job advert, look at the skills that they want and see if you can kind of tailor the, the experience that you've had to date, those volunteer experiences, those internships. You know, they say they want someone who can get along and work with the team. You think, you know what, well, I've worked with a team uh, in my last job and I was able to get along with everyone. They want someone who can deliver stuff on time. You think, look, I was given all these tasks at my previous role. And you just try and make it really simple, really straightforward so that those little jobs you did here and there are still applicable to this role, especially if you're lacking um, in relevant experience. And just to add to that, um, being in a, you know, a graduate position or an entry-level role, as Will said, they're not looking for a, a person with extensive skills. They're looking at your potential as an as a individual and they're looking at your attitude. They want to see on your resume that you are going out, you're motivated, you love learning, um, you're a people person or you've got the capacity to learn. So having that volunteering experience or just really showing and tailoring what you have done to your behaviours. So your teamwork, yeah, teamwork is a big one now, isn't it? Yeah. But yes, th things like that, what behaviours and attitudes you have towards work and for a company, you need to make sure that that shines through in your resume. So on top of a resume, we have a cover letter. Some people spend hours and hours writing a cover letter together along with a resume. We're in a society now where potentially cover letters for some organisations are no longer applicable. 
So, Will, do you believe a cover letter is still important? And if so, what should they include? Okay, so that is a difficult question to answer because it depends on the employer. If they ask you for a cover letter and you don't submit a cover letter, they might discount you straight away. So whether or not I personally am 50-50 about whether they're important, because I think a lot of the time your personality will shine through in an interview. But if you do need a cover letter, it's not supposed to be a mirror of your CV or of your resume, okay? You don't write in your cover letter, I went to university and I worked um, at JJ's for two years because that's already in your resume. You, you write basically, you structure it in such a way to say that this is me, I really enjoy doing these things and I believe I can be an asset to your company. I love your company because of this, I believe this is what I can bring to the company and it also helps if you list your little achievements, you know? I was, um, you know, if, if they're looking for someone who can speak or work in a team, I've been doing this, I've been playing team sports at uni, I was, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's what goes in your cover letter. It's, it's supposed to complement and back up your resume, it's not supposed to mirror it. Uh, just to add to that, structure is really important and you want to demonstrate who you are as a person. So that is a place where you can really start a cover letter. I'd say probably next most important is to demonstrate how your attitude and behaviours are reflected in the company values. That's a really sure way to show your alignment with the company and demonstrate why you want to work for them. Just say that you want to be a part of the team and why you want to be a part of the team. You don't need a huge cover letter, but you do want to cover off the key points that aren't going to be in a resume. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with both of you. I think the core values is a really big one because it's not something that's typically addressed in a resume. And it's something that um, companies are now more than ever uh, really focused on making sure that people are, are a cultural fit um, as well as a fit in terms of their actual skills. So it's really easy to address because you just jump online. It, most companies will have their core values listed there um, and, and dive into them. So it's, it's really easy to show uh, one that you're aligned, but also that you've actually taken the initiative to do a little bit of research on the company and say, hey, you know what? I'm gonna be a great fit for you guys. Uh, the other thing I would say is do not go over one page for a cover letter. <laughs> like, we've already got to read through resumes and that sort of stuff. Cover letters can be really, really great, as, um, especially for some roles and, and when you're trying to pick up on that cultural alignment. But again, just keep it simple. Like, it's all about, if you think of it from a recruiter's perspective, they are trying to go over X amount of applications. Like, we'll often have roles where we receive to 300 applications and if we've got to look through every resume and every cover letter and you've got random things in there that have no value, don't put it in because it's just going to frustrate me and any, any other recruiter. So it's keep it simple, keep it specific, sorry, keep it specific to that role uh, and it comes across much better. And I would just like to say to add to that. As a graduate or someone who's unemployed, it's, it's obviously a little bit scary and you're applying for a lot of roles. You can't just copy and paste a name to the top uh, of a cover letter um, of, or a company name. It's, um, it needs to be tailored uh, as much as you can. Customise it to the company. Don't put at the top to whom it might concern. Try and find out who the position is of the recruiter or what their name is. Um, try and tailor it in that way. Make sure that, for God's sake, do not say 
this is my application for Rio Tinto and this is why I want to apply there and finish it off with and that's why I want to join the team at BHP. It's very common, but Word is a very powerful tool now. They have find and replace if you are going to use the same cover letter, but also just to use the review panel and make sure there's no spelling mistakes because, like Hamish said, you're receiving 400 applications. You don't want to be um, finding spelling mistakes in it. And if you do, maybe that indicates that you're not really that committed to the role or that you haven't spent enough time in making sure that your uh, application and, and cover letter really fits what you need to, so. That's great, so picture this, I'm an individual, I'm really keen on applying for 100 jobs. Um, I get 100 not back, so I've got a great, I've written a great CV, I've written a fantastic resume. Rhiannon, what's your thoughts around quantity over quality? So as an individual, should I really focus on my industry sector and go, hey, if my industry sector is calling for grad programs, am I gonna apply for grad programs only? Or should I go out to the mass medium and apply for every single job from retail to my specific degree to marketing as well? What are your thoughts over quantity and quality? I think it's really hard. I mean, if you're in a job and looking for a new one, I think it's very important to have a look what's out there, assess what your values are and make sure that you're putting through quality applications rather than quantity. However, I know how hard that is as a student when you are looking for a job and you know, there's, there's almost that little bit of, of fear that you might not get a job soon enough, so you put in a lot of applications. And I've been there, I've done the same thing. Um, so you, I can't really tell you not to. All I can say is spend your, if you've got a certain amount of time, spend it wisely. Don't try and put through as many applications as you can. It's not going to help you. Companies are going to want to see your commitment, as we said, but, and I mean, <sighs> In terms of the length of a CV, I think you should try and uh, align it to where you want to go. But if, if you're just starting out, you don't have a lot of experience and you want to put what you've got in there, that's fine. But make sure you highlight and ex expand on the things that will help you get the job. You don't want to have a one page or half a page CV, but at the same point, 10 pages isn't going to help. The other thing I... I could add to that is that um, it, it's tough. I think make it simple, make sure that you capture the key information um, and don't try and throw everything in there that you can. It's, it's, it's a hard balance to find, but if, you, if you're not looking for a specific industry and you just want the experience, find job types or position types that you would like. Don't just look at the title because that's not always a reflection of what the job is. Um, working for a smaller company, your experience and um, responsibilities will vary greatly, as Hamish and I both know, working in smaller companies. So don't pay attention to that. Maybe search by industry if that's what you're interested in, but mainly just make sure that the job looks good to you. Don't, don't just apply for the sake of applying because the title is where you think you're going to be. I'm in a job that's very different to where I thought I would be, um, so I can't stress that enough. And what are your thoughts, Hamish? Look, I actually think there's a few parts to that in, in the sense that typically when you're leaving uni or, or you only uh, recently have left uni, there's a huge amount of pressure to get a job as quickly as you can. Uh, the reality is, is that I think it's something like 60 or 70 people don't get a job within the first three months. It's, uh, it's sorry? That's what I said, didn't it? Oh, 60 or 70% if it didn't say. 
oh, sorry, percent, um, <laughs> don't have jobs within the first three months. Uh, it is difficult to get your foot in the door. That's just the reality of it. But at the same point, you can't just be looking at the big four or, or whatever it is. You know, There's so many little companies out there who are looking for great resources, who have recently graduated, and they're actually going to give a uh, much broader exposure to somebody coming in than some of those big companies who are a little bit more regimented in, in what you can actually get um, experience in and what you can work on. So I think keep that in mind. I think it's also important to keep in mind that um, if you're wanting a, a really great role straight out of uni, then you've got to put in a really great application because you're not going to get it if you just put in something that's super generic. If you're just looking for any job, go ahead and apply for 100 roles, that's fine. But if you're looking for a role that's really going to have an impact on you and your career, then put the time into the application, spend time researching the company, find keywords in the ad that you can then put across into your resume, into your cover letter, because it shows then that you've actually paid attention to what's being written and what, what they're looking for. So I think it, I think it really, it kind of depends on what you're looking for. If, if you're just going for any job at all, send plenty of applications out and you'll get something, but it might not necessarily be what you want. Yeah, I know there was one tip when I was applying for jobs as a graduate and I actually put, um, I put together an Excel document. So I'm a massive planner, if anyone knows me really, really well. Um, and what I actually did is I actually broke down by organisation the position title and the date of application and if I received feedback and if I received a thank you but no thank you email. So that allowed me to actually track the applications where I was actually applying. Um, and But it also I used it as a reflection tool so I could sit back and go, well, hey, this sector is actually asking for specific elements and I've got a really good match to that. So for me personally, is sitting down and actually working out where my skill sits fits within a, diff a specific um, industry sector is really important as well. So when it comes unfortunately to that time where you're applying for a lot of roles and you've got a lot of other stuff going on in your life as well, a simple Excel sheet can really help track um, those applications as well. So we're now living in a world where technology is a fantastic tool and unfortunately gone are the days where we actually physically handwrite a resume and a cover letter and we're now in a decade where we actually submit them um, online and there's a screening process. It's all automated um, and the specific companies decided that this is a process they'll follow. So we'll, if an applicant is unsuccessful at any stage of the hiring process, i.e. they get the thank you for applying, but unfortunately you're, you don't quite make the cut. What's some feedback and what's some thoughts and what's some advice you can give the individuals, especially when the ego's a little bit too low, like you've received one too many letters to say thanks? You know, what, what can they do further? What's some uh, advice? I suppose, first of all, it's, it's always going to be difficult to receive rejection letter for a job that you really want. But keep in mind, so when I was at GHD, for the graduate program or for the vacation program for, you know, engineers, we would have six, seven hundred applicants for 30 roles. So you're immediately going to be stacked up against the odds. And do not, at all costs, do not let that get you down if you don't get that job which you had your mind set on at uni. Like um, Rhiannon and Hamish have said, there, there are so many other options and, and a lot of the time you'll find 
you actually you get a job role you don't expect and you'll find yourself being a lot more fulfilled than some of your colleagues who've got jobs in these, these bigger companies or, or whatever the case may be. Not saying the bigger companies are bad or anything, but I suppose the, the first bit of advice I could say is don't be afraid to ask for feedback. Sometimes you won't get any constructive feedback. Unfortunately, that person was just slightly better suited to the role than you. There's nothing wrong with you. It's just their one month extra with an internship at that company made them stand out a little bit better from you. So you haven't done anything wrong. In fact, you had a great application, a great interview. And it's, it's things like that you just need to realize, you just need to keep going. Don't give up, keep submitting, open and broaden your horizons. Look at those little companies that you, know, you may not even have known about. Go check out those careers fairs. Don't just stay focused on you know, your, your, your EYs and your BHPs. Go look at those little neighborhood organizations that'll happily take you on. Tap them on the shoulder and say, look, I'm, I'm happy to come work there for an internship just to build up your experience. There's absolutely nothing wrong with doing that. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, it's, it's difficult. But just keep your head up. Don't give up. Rhiannon? I think it's positive to always ask for feedback, as Will was saying getting 700 applicants for their graduate program. You might not always get that feedback, but don't take it personally. You're more likely to get um, constructive feedback from a smaller company, um, especially if you follow up after an interview or um, putting your application in just to say, thanks for the opportunity, can you please provide me with some feedback? Uh, if I was to receive that, I would give someone the time of day, I would re-go through all of their documentation and make sure that I'm giving them information and guidance into how to, how to succeed the next time. The other thing I can say is with this screening process now, if there's any spelling mistakes in your cover letter or your CV, you are screened out straight away. It is so important to make sure you get that right and also to have the keywords. I mean, even now, you know, uh, hiring managers are the ones that put together the position description, not the recruiters. So the recruiters just get a list of key competencies that they need to follow, and they're going through that CV looking for those keywords, and then they're presenting those to the hiring manager. So make sure you do look at the keywords and apply those to both your CV and your cover letter. And I have heard that people in the past have put white writing in their CV to add in more keywords, but you will get screened out if you do that now. The system, it's, it's very automated. There's a lot of AI built into it. They will be able to identify who's trying to, to cheat the system. So um, quality, keywords, um, and definitely follow up for that feedback, but don't be discouraged if you don't get it. I, um, I, I agree with what both of these guys have said. Uh, one thing I would mention is that the screening on, in terms of uh, uh, grammatical errors and spelling errors and that sort of thing. The screening's probably not as harsh for smaller companies as it is for those large companies who do have the budgets to afford them some pretty, uh, pretty impressive AI. Um, that being said, just on the, when you ask for feedback, don't call a recruiter and say, why didn't I get the job? Because their response is gonna be that somebody else is more suited. Like, send them a message, or if you call them, say, like, look, I was wondering if you have time or, or when you do have time, if you could provide me with some constructive feedback so I know what to change for future applications. Every single person that has approached me looking for feedback, um, and when they frame it that way, they're, they're looking to improve. I think, of course, I'm going to spend the time and, and give them that. One, it reflects well on the, on the company, but two, it, it also sort of 
I've been in the position where I've received rejections and had no idea why, and you can't improve without that, right? So if, if you ask for constructive feedback rather than just asking why, it's, you're a lot more likely to get that feedback. Um, but as uh, I, I'm not sure if it was Rhiannon or Will said, you're probably more likely to get that sort of feedback from a smaller company um, or, or a role that's not likely to receive so many applications because you've got to keep in mind that some of these roles are just getting an overwhelming amount of uh, applications and with that comes an overwhelming amount of requests for feedback and, and there is unfortunately limited time that people can dedicate to it. Sure, so now we also have the joys of social media um, and when personnel are going to apply for positions, social media is a fantastic tool to reach out people such as these individuals and send them a little message saying, hey, I've seen this position, I have some questions I'd like to ask you if you can't get in contact with them originally. What role does social media play in recruitment and applying for position nowadays and how important is networking when applying for those positions? A lot of organisations are actually turning away from you know, your traditional seek-based adverts and are doing a lot of LinkedIn recruiting now. You'll also find that a lot of organisations are actually have kind of bonuses for referring people in your network. So if, if I know Rhiannon wants a job in, in a specific area, she gives me her CV, I hand it in, and then I'll get a bonus for bringing her on board. So one, uh, building a network of people within organisations that you are thinking about going into can be one of the surefire ways of, of landing a role, at the very least an interview in that company. Having a LinkedIn page is very important and using LinkedIn wisely. So. A good example is we, I have a, uh, one of the graduates at GHD, he actually after a couple of years branched out and decided to, to do his own path and he's very active, so active on LinkedIn, he said to me his strategy is to go on there and comment on at least five or six posts a day because when you comment on something it pops up in the wider network that you know Rhiannon commented on this and then other people see that. So if you start actively engaging within your industry and uh, building up your network, other people will take notice of that, recruiters might take notice of that and you could pop up on their radars, you know? So yeah, definitely, definitely have a profile because again, recruiters can search for you. They can search by skills, they can search by experience, they can search by education. Just putting in those parameters into the LinkedIn search engine can bring them up a whole bunch of people in Perth who'd be suited for that role. So if you don't have your LinkedIn page and you're not active on it, you're immediately going to be cutting yourself off on a really, really big wide range of opportunities. To elaborate on LinkedIn, I think it's important to build up your skills. There's a skills part at the very bottom. You can add to that. Don't just wait for someone to endorse you for something. Actively search and seek out recommendations. Add those to your profile and ask people to endorse you. The other thing I'd mention is make sure you list your achievements on LinkedIn because if people want to search your profile because you've commented on something, as Will said, uh, you want to make sure that there's key content on there so that if someone decides, oh, they look really good, I, I might put them forward for a role. They need that information there to be able to recommend you. Um, and more on social media, if you have public pages for your private social media pages, make sure the content is G-rated. People... Um, and locked out. <laughs> uh, it, it can be very bad for any application if we can access your Facebook page and your 
making some very serious comments on there about a previous employer or um, unfortunately some people can be very biased about other content that's on your page so just make sure that it is locked down and if it's not locked down that the content is um, family friendly and <laughs> yeah, appropriate. But in terms of networking it is very very important. Networking has got me every single one of my jobs to date uh, including the jobs I had at university. So it's very important to make sure you connect with your lecturers it's important to connect with anyone who's been on a panel at any uh, presentation you've done. And using LinkedIn in particular, if you're searching for roles and you know someone that works at that company because they've been showing up, like Claire and I were connecting this week because there was a job advertised and Claire's in a very similar role and I thought, I'll reach out to Claire and see what she thinks. So even being able to go through it that way, not only is that letting me know exactly what type of job it is, but also if Claire could help me, she would, you know, whether that's within the same organisation, providing guidance. LinkedIn is very powerful for connecting you with a whole range of people, industry-based, university-based, or just people that you meet at events and being able to connect with them. They're going to constantly be reminded of you and keep you front of mind if you're active on social media, and that's what's going to land you a job. Uh, just one other thing on that, like LinkedIn is, is a really great network and it's got the messaging function built in there. When you do add a network, like don't, don't be afraid to send a connection request to somebody that you don't necessarily know. Like if you've seen uh, their path or they're in a, in a position that really interests you and you want to talk to them, send them a connection but don't, don't just send that by itself. Make sure you include a message and just let them know why you're reaching out to connect with them because otherwise they're just getting this random Joe Blow, who they've never seen before, has sent them a request that why are they going to accept. So even if you just say, like, look, I'd love to catch up with coffee and have a chat with you about X, Y, and Z, it's, most people will say yes. If they say no, then it's, then it's no real loss. But most people will say yes if you put a bit of context there as to why you're sending that invitation to connect. Great, thank you. So now we're going to open it up to the audience. So I can see people busily writing notes and taking down tips and ideas, and that's what we're certainly here for today. Before I proceed any further, does anyone have any questions for an individual or any speakers from the room? So what we might actually ask you to do is if you do have a question, maybe just say who you are. And if it is for a particular speaker, just say their name and... Um, ask your question. Hi, my name's Dan. How, it sounds like at least a couple of you are people who receive applications and review applications for specific roles. Can you explain to me why in today's world it's acceptable for an employer not to tell an applicant that they've been unsuccessful? I'm not talking about feedback, I'm just talking about saying, dear X, you've been unsuccessful, kind regards recruitment. Why do the overwhelming majority of employees, in my experience, not even bothered to tell you that recruitment's done, you didn't get the role. And that often in the automated email after you've applied says, due to a high number of applications, we're unable to get back to you. Why, why is that level of arrogance acceptable? In short, it's not. It Realistically, that's, that's purely poor management. The recruitment process is really a reflection of the company as a whole. And I feel like if you're getting that sort of disengagement within the recruitment process, then typically speaking, it, it may not necessarily be, and this is a very broad brush statement, but it may not necessarily be 
the best uh, best company to work for. The other thing to keep in, to, in mind as well is that you can receive a, an overwhelming amount of uh, applications, I guess, in some cases. And if, if there's a split role or something like that, that may be something to do with it or a lack of systems to track all of those applications. But in short, companies should be getting back to each and every applicant. Yeah, I 100% agree. I don't think it's, it's appropriate at all. I know in my job role personally, at, at all the organisations I've worked for, I've gone out of my way to ensure people know that they've not been successful. Nine times out of 10, there are systems for that, but even going to some events and speaking, so when, at one of the previous companies, I spoke to a lot of graduates, and you know, some of these, these, these people would apply for roles, and they wouldn't hear anything for three months. And they're sitting there, I don't know if I've got it, I don't know if I've been shortlisted, and it's, it's absolutely horrible, you know, because you're sitting there as an applicant, you're going, I don't know what to do right now. I really, really want this job. This is the only VAC program or grad program I've applied for. So no, it's not acceptable. And, and that's why you can go on to seek and you can give them a one-star review and you can say, they didn't get back to me. But then also keep in mind, with smaller organizations, they may not have capacity. One organization I was working for had, had 500 people and I was the only HR coordinator there getting, you know, six, 700 applications, and I can't get back to 700 people. It's almost physically impossible. That being said, there's usually a little tick box you can send to just send a quick email, you've not been successful. But yeah, like, like Hamish said, it's just bad management. So my name is Celeste, and I'm studying medical sciences, and well, I'm graduating, um, entering into medicine next year. Just in terms of the relevance of school achievements, in a CV, is there sort of a cutoff where you should just stop, like, you know, not, not like just remove things, uh, you know, that you achieved like a decade ago, for example, even if they were very good achievements, relevant back then. I understand that, for example, like if you did piano, for example, you know, when you were younger, it shows that you actually, you know, were diverse, but is, yeah, is there a cutoff where you should really just get rid of stuff? Yeah, right. Yes, is the short answer. I think when you're graduating or you've only got a few uh, jobs under your belt, I think expanding on your achievements at university and school are very important. So even down to studying particular units or what your key projects were and explaining them and how they're specific to the role you're going for is really important. However, once you start to develop your resume and you've got a few more jobs under your belt and there's more, um, more experience, more meaty achievements there, that's when they start to drop off. So when I was first applying, my CV was filled with what units I'd done and key projects. Now I don't mention any of that. So like Hamish was saying earlier, you want to have a short CV if possible. So if it's no longer relevant or it's not relevant to that particular role, don't have it there. Sure, thank you. It's almost about two or three years post-graduating. Yeah. After that, it's just no longer relevant. I'd love it to be because it's such a fantastic achievement <laughs> and we've worked so incredibly hard for it. But, but that's a great thing you can bring in through your, um, your interviews. So, you know, when I was back, back when I was graduating from high school, I was the ducks of my school and whatever, and I've gone on to can do dot, dot, dot as well. Because sometimes people get accolades at university as well. So that's a great linkage just there as well. Do we have any other questions? Hi, um, my name's Tim. Uh, my question's really for the panel. Um, I'm just wondering if you have some top tips for when you have an interview. Hamish? 
Yeah, so it's a couple, couple here. One, know what you've put in your resume. <laughs> I've had somebody ask me if they can look at their resume before while I've been sitting across <laughs> from them, so that was pretty obvious that they weren't, uh, weren't really on top of things there. Look, I think it's also really important to recognise that whoever's sitting across from you, they're only human. They're not there to, to intimidate you necessarily or, or they, they want you to be good. Is, is, is what I'm trying to say and they might put you under a bit of pressure but everybody else who's getting an interview is also going to get put under that same sort of pressure and generally when they're doing that they're just trying to say how you're going to react. The other thing is don't necessarily feel rushed to answer a question or feel like you have to answer that question right now. If they ask you a question and you can't think of the answer straight away say well oh, look really great question do you mind if we come back to that? it shows that you're actually going to give it a bit of thought and you're going to get back to them with a better response rather than just blabbering on until you finally figure out what you can say. Um, and then finally, just every question they ask, there's a reason behind it and what they're looking for is how you can impact their organisation in a beneficial way. So tailor your question to how it's going to... Uh, sorry, tailor your response to how uh, it's going to impact the business specifically, not just giving a really broad answer. Um, just one point where Hamish mentioned there about coming back to a question later. I think it, would, it may have come up in our discovery um, meeting a couple of weeks ago, but Will pointed out that if you're offered water or a coffee during just coming in the door, take it because that would be a really great way to pause and think um, by taking a sip of water before answering a question. Yeah, really important. And one thing you should do, um, I won't go too much into it now, but go home and Google the STAR interview method and that'll help you out a lot when dealing with behavioural-based interview questions. What does STAR stand for? <laughs> Situation, task, action, result, Great. I think. Yep, sounds yeah. about right. Uh, Last hi. question. Yeah, hi, uh, my name is Wissam. I'm a neuroscientist. I've just finished my PhD. Um, thank you. Your tips have been fantastic. But um, my question is, how do you balance out that you really want the role and what a great company you are, they are and what a great catch you are? So how do you, yeah. Look, I think when you're going into an interview, excitement is, is a really nice thing to see in a candidate. Um, so I think just by showing excitement, uh, for a particular role and an actual understanding of what the role is going to be is, uh, is really important and it's something that I really look for in a candidate. So if you're, um, if you're presenting that, then you're getting off on the right foot already. Uh, in terms of, of um, you know, presenting yourself as a, as a catch, so to speak, really have a think about, um, about the job ad before you go in. So print it off, make some notes on the job ad, find some of the key uh, keywords within that advertisement and um, see how you can sort of tie your previous experience or your characteristics to those traits or, or skills and experience in the ad um, and that will sort of show not only your alignment but that you've taken the initiative to, to go into it. But a lot about the way you present and your enthusiasm and smile through the interview, uh, sit up straight. So if you're waiting in a waiting room, don't hunch down and sit on your phone, like, be attentive. I think another great thing at the PhD level is the ability to network. So really 
um, use your network and help you to to achieve the role and, and really sit with the person who's your network member and do a practice interview. Get some practice interview feedback. Um, you know, I'm sure any one of us up the front here would be more than happy to sit with you and, and really niche that out because acing interviews is a completely different skill set as well. So as much as you're writing a fantastic CV and a resume, sitting for that interview and putting time into that is just as important. And at the end of the day, the resume gets you the interview, the interview gets you the job. Yeah. So that's what you have to keep in mind. And um, like Hamish said, you know, some of the best interviews I've had, like, you know, with a geologist, they're just so passionate to talk about rocks. I'm just like, how is someone so excited about this? But because they're so excited about their subject, it comes through so powerfully in the interview, it's, it's so easy to make that decision. If you're going in and you know you've got a passion and you know you've studied and you know you've got that interest and you've worked hard to get there, don't be afraid to show off your knowledge, you know? Okay, we were going to go for one last question, but Lucille's cutting me off at the back of the room there. So we will be staying around um, and feel free to come up and ask any of us a question. So we really do thank you for coming to our session this afternoon. Just remember you're at a really exciting stage of your career and you've done the great works, you've done some really great long yards, you've studied really long hours. Um, my personal um, a recommendation for you is today, days like today are really fantastic and when I was at university I never actually had the opportunity to attend this day. So at the end of today, make sure you sit and reflect for five minutes and really pull through the key themes from each session because that really helps you understand your individual assets, your individual strengths, the market value you are actually put out to the market, which overall helps create your own value proposition because understanding your value proposition and who you are will, as William or Will said, get you that job in the end. So thank you, good luck, enjoy the next session and um, best of luck.